Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Society Talks. I'm here with the amazing Ben Mel. Hi, Ben. How are you? Uh, hi. I'm great. I'm so, I'm really happy to be here. I've been listening to your podcast. Oh, I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, nice. Likewise, likewise. So uh, everyone should know that we're still kind of doing the remote thing. I mean, yes, COVID's still a thing, everybody, but um, we're not back in the studio. We're still doing this remotely. But, uh, and also it's pouring down rain in Los Angeles. So people don't like to go out in their homes in Los Angeles when it's <laughs> raining. Um, so Ben, where'd you grow up? Let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Toronto, Toronto, okay. Canada. I am Canadian. Okay. Um, yeah, I I grew up, I went to school, I went to my undergrad there, and then I was like trying to figure out how to, where to go from there. And I auditioned for schools in New York, Juilliard and NYU, and I, and that's what, that's that brought me to New York. Oh, nice. Is that where you are now, or are you in Los Angeles? I am. I am in sunny, warm New York. Sorry oh. about the rain in L.A. Ah, is it like, <laughs> isn't it unseasonably warm? Because I have friends out there, and they're like, yeah, it's not actually, like, super freezing yet. No. Uh, well, it did get cold, but now it's warm. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, good. I mean, I have to say, just right off the bat, Canadians are the nicest people. So um, uh -huh. I'm happy to be talking to you. <laughs> I have friends that live up there. I actually have friends that just moved back to Los Angeles that were in Toronto. Um, the one guy's job took him, uh, he's with the BBC, so he was able to come to Los Angeles, but, um, okay. but it's freezing up there. And so is New York. That's your, is that your thing? You, you like the cold? I mean, I, I don't mind it. I, I, it, when I was in LA for, for you, it was, I enjoyed missing a winter. That was nice. Okay. Yeah. That's where you shot. We're going to get into that, but which is an awesome project on Netflix. Everybody knows it. Um, but is that, that's where it shoots in Los Angeles? Yeah. The first season was in New York, but then they moved to LA and the second season was actually in LA. Like the story was in LA. And then the third season where I'm introduced, it, the, 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 it's they like made suburbs. up. Yeah. It's yeah. like suburbs, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's called yeah. Madre Linda. It's supposed to be like Northern California, but it was shot right. in LA. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, because I did start watching the first few episodes. I'm a fan. So I'm, I did start watching. I it's when I have my time, I have to sit there and actually get it all done. Like last night I did the morning show. And then today, this morning I did another episode of you, you know, I could sneak them in when I can, but, um, from college, what was the first thing that you did that said, I mean, like you can study it, right. Everybody can go through school. I mean, I think Merrill went through like Vassar and Yale, but eventually when you start auditioning, what was the project or that one thing that said, okay, this is something I can really do that puts you on your path? Um, you know, it's hard to say the one thing, I feel like there have been key moments along the way. And to be honest, this, this show was definitely one of those moments. Um, I, I would say, so when I, when I decided to go to, to study, when I went to college, I applied for astrophysics programs, aerospace Ooh. engineering, astrophysics, physics and astronomy. And there was only one university that I could go to, which was the University of Toronto, where I could do a double major in astrophysics and drama. Wow. And I went there. And in hindsight, that was a clear moment where I knew it acting was something I would never be willing to let go of. Okay. Um, and so after that, I came, I came to New York and I, I went to NYU and got my MFA. Um, and it's hard to say exactly. It's been like a grind to like just doing, having opportunities come up, doing shows. I've been done mostly theater up until this point. Um, 
And honestly, when I got this show, I wrote an email to the casting directors, David Rappaport and Lindsay Baldazar. And I was like, thank you for seeing me. This is one of the moments in my life that I will never forget. That is a little sign, actually a big sign to say, keep going. You deserve to be here. I mean, I have to ask, astrophysics, uh, what, <laughs> where did that come from? That was my love. So from, I went to, I was very, very lucky. I, I auditioned for a public school in Toronto called Claude Watson School for the Arts when I was a child. And I, I got it. I was the only person to get in into grade five. I didn't know about it. It starts in grade four. And there happened to be a spot that opened up and I got it. And so I studied academics half the day and I studied arts the other half of the day. And I loved school. I'm someone who really loved school. And honestly, I wanted to be an astronaut. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, okay, what do I need to do to, to pursue this? I, I've always been, uh, the, the mystery of space has been like so tantalizing to me in my life. I, I don't know exactly when it started, but it's something that I've just, it's like, you know, it blew my mind wide open and I just wanted to know more about it. And, and wow. Yeah. Yes. It's, because it's so interesting to me. You also said you realized when you did that, that, it, and it, you couldn't let acting go. There was yeah. an interview with Elizabeth Moss that said, she said she tries to say no to a project, basically like not, not too directly to the people or whatever, but she says, she said no to herself, like, or maybe her agents or something, sort of like in a mock way, right? And she then she goes to sleep and, and wants to know how that feels. Not, you know, if I didn't do this project, how would I feel? And that's how she basically said yes to Handmaid's Tale right away after, you know, doing another, another series. And she said, it just felt like I, I can't not do this project. I don't, I don't want to see anybody else do it. I, I, must, I must do it. So is that something that you kind of do as well? Or is it just innately you say, you know, I, I just know that I can't say no to this. I have to do this. And, and this is something that will fulfill me. Yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah, I definitely do trust my gut. Um, I, I can't deny it. It's like mm -hmm. when, when something is undeniable for me, I, I feel it. And, and it's, yeah, that, that's, that's my guide. That's my compass. Yeah. That's good. Now, so you in this in in you, um, which everybody knows is is on Netflix. It's trending. I think it's like number one, actually. Um, is. But is it? It is number one. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so congratulations. But um, in this, you play um, a blind character, and then I happen to know because I did talk to, or I mean, I read a little bit of your bio that you you are legally blind, correct? Yeah, I am. Okay. So just quickly, I know I want to get into that a little bit, but like, were they looking specifically like, you know, sometimes people get up in arms when you don't hire that specific, like if it's trans and you don't hire trans, if you, you know, I mean, like what they do with Scarlett yes. Johansson, was it specifically, they said that you have to be some sort of, uh, some form of blind when you were auditioning. And then from there, um, cause it's not a character that's in the books, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. So yeah. what, so you're legally blind and then you knew going into this, that this character had to be correct. They were very consciously actively looking for somebody from the low vision, legally blind, blind community. Got it. Okay. Uh, and yes, for, you know, I, so 
uh, let me just, because people usually don't know what legally blind means. Okay. So what that act technically means is my vision is 20 over 200. So I have a rare disease called Stargardt's disease, which is a form of macular degeneration, which means it takes away my central vision. So okay. whatever I look at literally disappears. There's just nothing, whatever I look directly at, if I'm trying to read something and I look at the word, the word disappears. Wow. But I have all of my peripheral vision. So in the, in the community, I, am, I recognize that I am a privileged member in terms of the amount of sight that I have retained uh, to, at, to this point in my life. Um, so yes, so, so legally blind is a very specific, has a very specific definition of 200, two, uh, 20 over 200 or worse in, both, in your better seeing eye, uh, which does not mean totally blind at all. Right, got it. Okay. So, and with this character, I think it said somewhere that she kind of based this character on her grandfather or godfather. Is that true? Yeah, Sarah Gamble. Sarah Gamble's godfather, she who is totally blind. And I, I think the thing that's amazing about her putting Dante in in the show is he's not being used for his blindness in some way. He, he's not like an extraordinary character he's not an evil uh, blind character he's not an ultra wise blind character he's just a regular person living in this community who happens to be blind right. and she included that because some people are blind and right. deserve to be represented and i think well, that's amazing Apropos of what isn't, it's the same, I'm not, I mean, it's not same, but uh, it's uh, Lauren Ridloff, who's uh, who's uh, in The Eternals. She's, they didn't say that that character, is, is it written as deaf? I don't know, actually. Maybe, I'm, sure. talking, maybe I'm talking out of term. Maybe it is written as deaf in the comic book. But um, I felt like I looked at that and I was like, oh, well, that, of course, that makes sense. That's great. You know, like I've seen the yeah. trailer, I've seen them signing and, and I don't know if Kumail had to learn how to sign and everything. But um, I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I know I... But, you know, look, I also live in a very liberal bubble, you know, so people sometimes don't understand that, that, yeah, we walk amongst so many different types of people. Um, and I think that that's great that she's that they're not, you, you know, that character is not sort of being trotted out as a trope, but it's just somebody that lives in this community, you know. Um, yeah. Can you tell me more about your character? I know that sometimes you guys are very, <laughs> you have to be very tight lipped on some things, but what can you tell me? Let's go. Let's start there. I mean, I feel more liberated now because it's 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 out. I think it's been out for a right. week or just over a week. Right. Um, so I mean, Dante mm -hmm. is he he works in this library in this old library in the in the town, the only library there, and which is in itself an extraordinary thing, right? I'm playing a blind person who is a librarian, um, and. and I mean, his backstory, which is not actually part of the show, but his backstory is that he lost his vision and he continued to do the thing that he loves to do, which is being a librarian. And he finds ways to adapt. He uses a scanner to scan the books and has it read through bone conducting headphones um, so that he knows what books he's checking in and out. So I'm a librarian. And what are bone conducting headphones? I'm sorry. What is that? Well, I learned about them. So I trained with a... With a um, an orientation and mobility specialist. And okay. this is the person that teaches people how to use a white cane that, Got you it. know, when you see a blind person getting around with a cane, mm -hmm. there's technique behind that and you have to learn. So I learned how to use one of those canes and she happened to mention, I was, I was, I just wanted to 
gain as much information as I could. To take a step back for a second, because because I am legally blind, but definitely not totally blind, I it was very important to me to accurately represent this character. I had right. a lot of work to do in that, uh, a lot of training that I wanted, uh, a lot of information that I wanted to soak up about that. Um, and this was one of the things I asked her about what, how do people really adapt? Like, what does this look like? What do people do when mm -hmm. faced with this? And one of the things, one of the many things that she mentioned was when you wear bone conducting headphones, this is like a new thing that's coming up because they don't block your ears. You can still hear the world around you and also get the whatever, you know, speech dictation or music, whatever you're using them for without blocking your ears. Oh, gotcha. So they just like rest kind of on your temples, just right in front of your ears, but don't block wow. your ears. And uh, it's crazy when you <laughs> use them, you just hear it. You hear whatever's coming through them through the vibrations into your skull bone. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. It's really cool. Um, and, but how do you, I mean, I'm just going to ask because you used them, you've used them, but what, how do you, so then how, how does it balance between what's going on coming through there and then what's actually going on in the world? I mean, does it, does it shut off and then stop. It, how does that work? Yeah. You're, you're like, use them for whatever you're, you need to use them for, but, and, and you turn it off and turn it on as you need to, but it just doesn't hinder your, you know, your most valuable sense of hearing while you're using it. Gotcha. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. How long did you shoot this show um, out in Los Angeles? So it was supposed to start in November of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, there were there were delays of, due to COVID. I I flew out and ended up flying out in December um, and didn't shoot anything. I was like so ready to go um, and didn't shoot anything and then came back home to New York until January, but they ended uh, in April, April, late April. Wow. And all complications, like as far as people testing or just getting the safety protocols in, in, in order? Uh, what it was, they, were, they were like being so responsible. Um, and so what that means is if anybody tests positive, they were, mm -hmm. everyone was being tested every day. Mm -hmm. um, and so if anyone tested positive, then anyone who was in contact with that person couldn't come to work. Right. So that meant delays. And I mean, it was like, it's just amazing that it got done and, and it actually got done on time. They, they were, they were incredible and they, and they, they did keep everyone safe. And I think there was, I certainly felt this way. And I think everybody felt this way. There was a sense of like, okay, let's all be just really responsible about what we're doing so that, so that we can keep, doing this thing that we don't like have to shut it down. Right. Um, well, it harmed, yeah. Yeah. It harmed a lot of people in the entertainment industry. You know, I mean, they, and, and I mean, I think about like the, the film and television was able to go back, I think after four months, but um, I mean, and there were some, I think it was like RuPaul's Drag Race was like the first one back or something. And they, they were like back in a month or two, but they're very, I mean, they were strict as well. And I almost feel like film sets and TV sets are like the safest place to be nowadays. Yes. But, um, although, well, having said well, that, I mean, look, yes. what, look what just yes. happened. But yes. um, I actually would, I, I can ask you about that. I mean, just, so you're an actor, you're on set. 
you know, what we're talking about, guys, is what just happened with Alec Baldwin's uh, film and a, a loaded prop gun, which I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'll give my opinion about it. But, um, we, you know, you're supposed to feel safe on set, especially now, especially in COVID. You're supposed to feel like you're not going to go to work and get sick, you know. And I mean, now adding a layer, you're supposed to now feel that you're going to you're going to go to work and not get shot for heaven's sake. But how do you feel about you mentioned that it is they they really did take a lot of great protocols and things. How do you feel about moving forward in the wake of something like this that just happened with Alec Baldwin and, and shooting and killing that cinematographer with a loaded prop gun? I just it's so it's so tragic. Yeah. Uh, and I I. I, it reminds me of a play that I did when I was in university and we had, we had prop guns. They were not the kind of gun that you can shoot and it releases, a, a, you know, a cap or, or whatever the terminology is. Um, but I remember that we got a long talk about how important it is to treat these props with respect and to be very careful, not let anyone else touch your prop make mm-hmm. sure that it's working the way it's supposed to be working and just giving so much respect to these props and mm-hmm. understanding the danger that they could pose. Um, and I, I obviously do not know what happened and I place no judgment. I was not there. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to speak to that at all. I think it was, I, I, as far as I understand, it was a, just an absolutely tragic mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, I hope and believe we're going to learn from this and, things will will become safer i don't know you know yeah so it's just i don't yeah i don't blame you for not knowing what i mean obviously alec and i'm obviously nobody wanted that to happen you know but i know that it's going to come around where i mean obviously the family of this poor girl hannah um hannah i don't know how you say it but um Excuse, excuse me for not knowing, but um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure something's going to come out where there might be some civil suits and things like that. But I don't know where the blame lies. I was reading something else where it was like, um, uh, oh God, not the prop master, but somebody else it was saying like, it's all of our duties. It's then the AD's duty. Didn't but also, I'm just confused why there was even bullets on set, you know, like maybe as props, but again, those should be props as well and not real bullets. You know, I just, to me, I'm just not, I'm not really understanding and I've produced movies, I've cast movies and I, uh, you know, in, in the, and now, especially in the age of COVID, everybody's even safer, but I don't know. It's just very strange to me. So. Yeah, I, think, I mean, safety is the most important thing and everyone needs to feel safe. And so I, I, I just hope, I, I hope that we are going to learn from this and it isn't the first time that something like this has happened. Right. So right. it's, Yeah. Well, I mean, and especially a show like yours, you on Netflix, I mean, it's a, it's a murderous show. It's like a, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of killing going on. I mean, so, um, you know, I, I would imagine that you, are there, are there like coordinators for that? Um, do you guys get to work with them and you guys rehearse that out prior to, I mean, I, mean, I don't know if your character's in, involved in that, but do you know if Love and, and um, oh my God, I'm flaking on his name, Penn's character. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Joe. Oh, hello. It's my Joe. name. That's what happens on Monday mornings, everybody. Anyway, so um, do you know if they they work with stunt coordinators and, 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 you know, and and, um, make sure that that's all safe? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm certain that they do. I wasn't involved with any of that stuff. I was not involved with the murderous stuff. As far as Dante knows, Joe is just a great guy. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I, I, I can't, I, I 
don't yeah. actually know. I'm sure, I'm sure they do. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, look, and going forward, I'm sure, uh, and even now, I'm sure people are going to, it's even higher safety levels, you know, higher safety protocols. But um, yeah. so your show, You, is it's now streaming on Netflix. They, yeah. um, you know, to keep, see updates for you, are you on social media? What are your handles on social media? Yes, I've joined Instagram for this. Ooh, congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you can you find and Angelina Jolie have just joined. So oh, that's that right. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I am at Ben Mel and it's my last name is M E H L. Okay. At B E N M E H L on Instagram. Um, yeah. and I'm sure you'll be posting updates and things like that, and that's great. And everybody, it's streaming now on Netflix, you. And um, what's next for you, Ben Mel? You, you know what? I don't know. I don't okay. know at this point. I, the life of an actor, auditioning and getting back out there. I love it. It's auditioning and auditioning and auditioning. Like Yeah. Well, what's next for you is beautiful fall and Christmas in New York City, correct? That is correct. <laughs> I am jealous of that, although I'm from New Jersey, so I'll be back there in a little bit. Um, so, well, I really, really appreciate it. You've been a joy to talk to, and I love the show. You on Netflix, everybody, it's streaming now. Um, season three, go check it out and go to at Ben Mel on Instagram and follow him. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you so much, Joe. And can I say, I just listened to your interview with uh, Justina Adorno. and. Oh, yeah. I loved it so much. Go listen to it. It's so inspirational. Oh, thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. And I'll, I'll make sure that we tag her in this one now because you just mentioned her. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Tune in next time. Bye.